Hi, I'm Anthony Taylor, and welcome to season two of the Mental Fitness Podcast, the podcast where you're going to hear from a fantastic range of people about their personal stories and ideas on how to live a great life and look after your mental fitness while doing it. You're going to learn about resilience, emotional intelligence, how to identify our strengths, and what we can do to support our good mental health. Here's a snapshot of what we've got in store for you this week. It's actually what works for you. It's the same with mental fitness. I think I always say to colleagues in the business, follow the clues to success. Success leaves thousands of clues lying around all the time. Successful people, successful businesses, and it's the same for successful mental health, if you can call it that, or a strong or you know, a healthy mental health. And that's looking for the clues at work. So, so listen to podcasts, reach out to you know, people online, reach out to people in your community and just be open about it. I think it's about an openness, which is fantastic. So I'm really excited to be bringing you series two and I hope you join us throughout the entirety of this. And as ever, if you like the podcast, please give us a like uh, or subscribe to the show as well. It takes just a minute, but it's going to help the podcast reach more people. Okay, let's crack on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Mental Fitness Podcast. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by my old CrossFit buddy from many years ago, John Quinton Barber. John is the chief executive of Social. Social is without doubt the Northwest and probably the UK's fastest growing PR agency. In a few short years, John has taken that business from two or three people. I remember those very early days. I'm going to talk about those right up to, um, I think, about 40 or 50 people now. They've got offices all around the UK and they're doing some fantastic world uh, work rather in the, in the field of communications. So, John, welcome to the show. Oh, Anthony, it's a pleasure to be on, mate. Long time no see. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? But I've been watching your quite meteoric success from afar. But before we get into that, um, I'm going to start off with a question to ask all guests, which is what does the term mental fitness mean to you? Great question, Anthony. I think for me, it's about knowing your limitations, knowing what you, you, know, you can't do on your own. Um, and I've been in positions in my life, and we've probably touched on that, where I thought I could do things, I thought I could conquer the world solo. And actually, it's about team. It's about having the right people in the team to help you progress. So mental fitness is about, for me, just recognising what your limitations are and accepting them and acknowledging them. Um, and being a northern working class lad, um, it's been very difficult for me to acknowledge that. I, I wanted to conquer the world and prove to the world that I could do it solo. And yeah, you need, you need, a, you need a strong, good team around you. So that's what it is to me. I think that's a really interesting definition of that uh, for many reasons. You know, a lot of people, I do a lot of work around mental toughness, as you know, and a lot of people think it's about that ability to push through and, you know, and, and do things all about big biceps that kind of match your image. And as you, right, you talked about, it's not. High levels of mental toughness are important. And I'm sure that you've had lots of those that require that to, to get where you've been with, with social, but actually without that ability to know when you need to ask for support and help, it can be an overplayed strength and it can cause lots of problems. It can, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking through experience. I mean, last time you and I met, we were doing burpees at CrossFit. And I remember telling you, I said, I've left my current company, I'm going to set up. And that was a big leap of faith for me because I was in a really good job, very well paid job. And, you know, I, I why, why throw that away to 
start something which is in the unknown. So that for me was it was the probably the first time I actually had to reflect on what have I got internally to do this? What what can I draw on? And then going forward, you know, it was very evident that I couldn't do it alone. You know, I, I couldn't do what I've done without a proper brilliant team around me and supporting and nurturing them. And in fact, you know, I'm here, sat here eight years into the journey and I'm thinking about my exit. I'm 51 now and I'm thinking I don't want to be a beholden to social for the next 10 years and be hold social up because I'm still here in the next 10 years. So for me, I'm now planning, you know, what do I do in the future? How do I, you know, how do I exit my own company? But in a way that leaves a legacy business, which is absolutely thriving, full of people who are well nurtured, well looked after, well supported um, and innovated and fired up for the future. Fantastic. I think there's some really, and we'd like to explore that a little bit more as we go on. But I'd like to take you back to those early days, eight years ago. I remember when you set up, I think it was an Eaton office building, wasn't it, in sale? It was, yeah. Um, what what made you, what was, you know, a big believer in mental fitness about vision and purpose and values are really important. So what made you leave that job? What was your vision and what was your purpose for doing it? I think I had something internally that was gnawing away at me, um, a bit like a calling really that said, you know, John, you can set up on your own, you can do this. And I, I kind of just dismissed it because I've got two young children at the time, two girls, Clementine and Grace and a lovely wife and I was fending for them. My wife had happily been made redundant two years ago, the two years previous. So it's very much put the food on the table and put that idea to the back of your head because you ain't going to be able to do that. But as I kind of lent into that thought, it came apparent for me that I wanted to build a business that was slightly different. I wanted it to be a business where it offered opportunity for people to thrive and to grow. And that really was an early instinct of mine about looking after people and being in a business where, you know, you could thrive and grow. The business had just left. They were a good business. And the guy that owned that, he shone the way a little bit about how you can do it. But I've been in businesses before over the last 25 years where it was a terrible experience when it came to not just progression, but actually aggression. It was quite aggressive uh, in the way that business was run business was done, the, the top tier management, you know, the, the line management, the micromanagement. And I just wanted to do something different and try it out. So that what that's what gave me the nudge to go and do it. But I'll be honest with you, Anthony, the first, actually when we met, the last time we met in that sale office where there were three or four of us, it was bloody about survival. The first three or four years was about putting food on the table, making it work, not cocking it up and actually working. And it's, it's a cliche and I hate this, but you do work. 78, 80 hours a week, you know, you don't have holidays, you don't celebrate Christmas, you don't celebrate birthdays, you're just focused on making this bloody thing work and grinding through that to come out the other end. And, you know, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's really interesting. I remember those days. I remember, you know, I came in and did a bit of coaching with you and some of your team. You kindly invited me in to do that. I remember you saying that you've been on your hands and knees all weekend, networking up computers and trying to get things to work. So I remember very much those days. And it's obviously you must have needed quite a lot of mental toughness during that period to go through those challenging times, to make those sacrifices um, and, and to be able to do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I have a faith. I draw a lot on my faith. I have a, you know, a healthy attitude to exercising, you know, nutrition in, in them days. I certainly had more than, than I have now post-pandemic. We're all in the same boat. A lot of us are. 
but I think you know so it was very much about taking care of taking care of what I could take care of acknowledging that you know there were going to be weekends where I had to work there was going to be clients that I had to be on beck and call for for 24 7 so how could I grind through that and it's really about um walking my office was about um probably about three miles away from where I lived and I had a beautiful canal walk and if you followed me on Twitter at the time you'd probably see quite a lot of uh, tweets about the canal the walk pulling in the you know the nature and actually allowing that to absorb me and and actually set me up for the day knowing that when I left the office that night I could walk back and have that same decompression um, just as a side note, Anthony, you know, we're in post-pandemic world now and everyone talks about home working, which is fantastic, and hybrid working. For me, though, the commute, and my commute was at work, that was where I decompressed. That was where I just was able to delve into things that weren't about work, but actually just reflect, maybe pray or just reflect on, you know, you know, my own personal resilience. Yeah, that's so important, isn't it, that you say, making that time. I know when lockdown first hit, I was really good at that. I would go out for a walk in the morning before I started work. I'd go out again at lunchtime, just 10 or 15 minutes. And usually at the end of the day, I'd try and do the same thing. And then sadly, as autumn, summer progressed and autumn came about, I got out of the habit of that and then noticed a big difference. Um, and it sounds like you were doing a lot of mindfulness as well, just appreciating what you could see on the canal walk, you know, the, the weather, the birds, whatever it was. Um, that's quite important as well, isn't it? Just giving our brains time to turn off. Yeah, absolutely, because there were times where I just blast music into my earlugs, which is great, you know, or a podcast. And then, you know, I, was, I can't remember who said it to me, but someone said to me about five, six years ago, just take your take your take your take your pods out of your ear and just listen. And actually, when you do that, and I do that more often now, you just walk, and it's actually, you know, I think, you know, it's subconsciously you're getting a great deal out of that, and that's what helped me. That, that walk on the canal, and I used to say sometimes I'm walking down the canal punching the air because I was, I was delighted, you know, I was delighted to set up this business. I was, um, you know, I was focused on making it a success. It's, and it's nice sound arrogant, Anthony, but it's not. I always knew from day one we would be successful, mm. always, completely. Uh, I still know that we will be more successful in the future, even when lockdown hit and Boris gave that announcement in March last year internally I still knew that would be all right and that's not arrogance it's just a self-belief that I've got for the future um and what delights me the most is that I'm able to share that with other people I think it's so important we talked about there one of the things I do a lot with clients is help them with and part of my model of mental fitness is understanding our energy management and we've got four domains of energy you've got your physical energy you've got your mental energy you've got your emotional and spiritual energy and it sounded like that walk for you was a way of just managing remember that sort of mental emotional and spiritual energy that decompression time you've also been a, always big fan in looking after the physical side of things you know we talked about this earlier on we we met through crossfit those brutal days of box jumps burpees and and every other physical thing you can think of um but you still do that i mean you don't do crossfit so much but every year you take yourself away don't you for a you go to the Northern Boot Camp, is that right? Yeah, I do. I do with the Northern Boot Camp. It's where I go to kind of completely switch off, and it's a cracking um, experience. It's a week long experience where you you know you you tra- It's a it's, it's a boot camp, but it's not a military boot camp. So in the mornings you do a lot of running, you do a lot of exercise, a lot of cardio. You know your your, your nutrition is balanced. 
and in the afternoon you're abseiling or sailing or um, canoeing and it's just a, a real switch off and it's you know up until last year the year before they didn't have wi-fi uh, which is you know which was fantastic it, you you force yourself into hibernating for a week really important for me to be able to go and access that and you know i'm back at crossfit now locally uh, but i'm not doing that to break any records i'm just doing that to move my body and that's all it's about movement um, so it's about ensuring that I still keep physically active and keep physically fit. Um, and gone are the days where I'm chasing personal records in, in lifting weights. Gone are the days where, you know, I'm anchoring after that, you know, that, that flat stomach to, you know, to make me, you know, appear better. I'm actually just, I'm, I'm just delighted I'm healthy and here, you know, post pandemic, I'll do what I can, um, and, and embrace a dad body if that's what it takes. Yeah, it's a valuable lesson there, isn't it? And to not... You know, we are, as we do get older, it's about what are we doing this for? You know, is it really to set records? Do we need to be doing that? What's the point? Or is it actually that ability to to keep our bodies, to maintain ourselves and be able to move freely? Because when that's gone and having, you know, you knew me when I had a couple of knee operations and I was on crutches and not able to move, you suddenly appreciate how much your physical well-being and ability to move is so vital. Um, so I think that's really important. Social has been an overwhelming success. You've grown really rapidly. You talked about the first few years were a challenge. You're just running on, on a treadmill to keep up, but you've really grown exponentially. Um, tell me about how you've done that and, and what role values have played in and value-centered leadership has played in that. The one thing that binds us all together is our values. And values, I think, you know, you can't be tokenistic with values. You get found out. You can't be, you can't have lip service when it comes to being an, an ethical or a, a values driven. You get found out quite quickly by your colleagues that work for you and work with you. And, you know, we see a lot, thank God, now around values post pandemic about looking after the planet, looking after people, looking after communities. And that's fantastic. And that's brilliant. And it's taken a pandemic, unfortunately, to get business into this headspace. I'd like to think that we were there probably five years ago, six years ago. And it all started with our one value, which is called life happens. And it, the life happens happened by accident. It wasn't a, you know, we weren't in a, in a room with loads of management consultants going, right, let's talk about our values, let's work this one out. I was working hard as usual and the colleagues were working hard as usual. And two colleagues independently came up to me in a week and had lost grandparents and said to me, can I take a day off for the funeral? And I'm like, I was like, wow, why are they asking this? Why, why do they need to ask me? to take a day off for the funeral of the grandpa. Am I running a business which isn't allowing that? And it just got me thinking about the Brastoff movie. If anybody, if you're familiar with them, people are watching this are familiar with Brastoff. So Brastoff was about the mine strike in uh, in the 80s. And it's it's a comedy. It's, 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 it's a I sad comedy. I remember now, yes, for the brass bands. Brass bands, yeah. And you've got Pete Postlethwaite, mm. who, uh, who basically said, you know, um, he was a band conductor. He was driving his band into the ground. He just wanted to win at the Albert Hall. Nothing else matters. But around him, the minor strike was going on. Families were crumbling. The guys that he was you know, conducting in an evening, the miners, their lives were shattered. And he got to the Albert Hall and, you know, he stood up and he won the award. And he just said, you know, I thought it mattered. I thought music mattered. But does it bollocks? It's people that matter. Therefore, life happens was born at social. You know, work matters. It pays the bills. Work matters. It allows progression. Work matters because we can invest in things that, you know, help communities develop or people develop. But people matter more and more to me. 
So our life happens value is this. So if you work for social, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life, we've got your back. Now we've had colleagues who've had some pretty major things going on in their lives where, you know, a few occasions where we people have been off on full pay for three months to help sort themselves out. As a small business, you know, that obviously would you'd think hit the bottom line, but the focus is on the person and making sure that they're okay. And life happens matters in the smaller things in life, you know, things like you and I would probably go to work 10 years ago and, you know, we'd be, we'd be on a deadline to get there for 9 a.m. If you're not there for 9 a.m., then, you know, all hell breaks loose because your hours are 9 to 5 and you've got a boss breathing down your neck. And when they press, though, your washing machine's broken down and you have to spend a couple of hours at, at home getting mended. Well, me, for me, life happens is about people coming to work, not worrying about coming to work, sorting themselves out what's going on in their life, allowing that to happen. Because when you allow that to happen, you get really rounded, solid, committed people working for you. I think that's brilliant. So enlightening to hear that and encouraging as well. It's um, I often talk about and use your, your business and that value as an example to other businesses that I work with or other people in conversation. So I think it's really inspiring to hear that and the story behind that. Um, how So you talked about, you know, having really rounded, solid individuals how does your staff turnover compare to you know if we're looking at the hard metrics of it compared to perhaps others is it is it lower have you seen a, a re real retention of people yeah absolutely we you know i would like to think that ours is is is, is on the lower end of the scale um we have got 51 in the business now during the pandemic we um we lost a couple of people that we also hired, I think, in, the, in, a, in excess of 20 people. So we grew quite quickly over the last 18 months in, in, in people. And interestingly, we have lost probably about five people in the last, um, I'd say, in the last three months. My, my take on that is that, you know, we've, we've weathered the storm during the pandemic. And I think this is, this is right to across the sector, in our, in our sector, creative industries and PR, where people were probably thinking, you know, time for a move time to move on so people do move on but they were waiting until it was all over or it looked like it was getting all over and the, and, and the market was picking up so we lost probably three or four in that in that sense and you know i always hate to lose people out of the business but i always you know i always celebrate their success and always follow them and and make sure you know that we've, we've created people we've given them a journey to, to move on and we do exit interviews anthony so every time someone leaves with an exit interview so some of the feedback we've had in the exit interviews was about progression. You know, no, no real clear path here. So we massively, massively sorted that one out. And you now we have got clear path. We've got an L&D program. And in fact, we are looking to create the social academy. And the social academy for me will have two purposes. The purpose one will be about basically looking after our colleagues. So giving them an L&D program, a curriculum. So if you work for social, you'll know what your journey is going to be. There's lots of advancement already happened at social. I can come back onto that, but you'll be able to see a clear path for you. That's important. And the second thing for the social academy for me is about enabling us to reach out to those communities that feel left behind when it comes to working in the creative industries or who've had a bad start in life. And that's making a commitment to, to taking apprentices over the next two or three years. So we're actually actively at the moment looking to recruit the director for our social academy. So in answer to your question, turnover has been pretty low. I'll be dead honest, pretty low, but we haven't been immune to people leaving. And um, when we've looked at that, there's valid reasons. And one of the main reasons was about, you know, opportunities to progress, but we've massively sought about. I'd like to say on progression, just finally on that, you know, if you look at the business, we have 
advanced so many people into leadership positions. Um, you know, I'm creating the legacy. I'm creating a structure beneath me that allow this business to crack on and, and continue. So fantastic. How important is looking after staff's mental health for you? And what kind of things have you at social been doing? It's massively important, Anthony. It's 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 up there with, you know, it's up there with ensuring, you know, we can put two, the two side by side quite comfortably. It's 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 important that, you know, we as a business take the responsibility to ensure that we give access to people, colleagues, the tools and the levers to pull as and when needed. So what does that mean? It means we've got we've got a we've got a program where there's, there's the free counselling service, for example. We've got um, a program where there's mentoring in the business. We have a very um, active one-to-ones every month with line managers. We have mental aid first aiders, mental health first aiders in the business. We've had that for about four years, and we're continually looking to how we can improve on that. Continue looking to ways that we can help our colleagues just manage their mental health and we've all got mental health you know we've all got a mental health haven't we it's not say we've all got issues per se but we've all got to look after it and one of the hardest things when you work in in the services led industry is clients and client demands um, and ensuring that you know we can balance the client demands which are reasonable with the the support with the mental health and well-being of our colleagues and that's something we've we've learned over the years and we're always on the on the watch out for it's uh, really enlightening to hear that. I think a lot of employers don't really realise just how much of an important role they have in looking after people's mental health and, you know, the stresses that work. Like you said, the client demands. I remember that from my days back in PR for nearly 20 years um, and, the, and the, you know, the challenges that brings with it. So it's great to hear of a business like yourself that's so forward thinking, so uh, playing values at the heart of that and also looking after people's mental and physical well-being. We've talked about a number of different things, John. What would you say, um, as we sort of come to the end of this conversation, what would you say would be one key takeaway that you'd like people to, to take from our from our conversation when it comes to looking after their mental fitness, either individually or, or, or employees if they're an employer? Well, for, for individuals, I think it's like anything that the, 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 the diet industry would tell you, which is find the right diet for you. So, you know, you'll, you'll know people have come in and said, well, paleo works for me or Weight Watchers works for me or Slimming World works for me. And it's actually what works for you. And it's the same with mental fitness. I think I always say to colleagues in the business, follow the clues to success. Success leaves thousands of clues lying around all the time. Successful people, successful businesses. And it's the same for successful mental health, if you can call it that, or a strong or you know, a healthy mental health. And that's looking for the clues that work. So, so listen to podcasts, reach out to you know, people online, reach out to people in your community and just be open about it. I think it's about an openness, which is fantastic. One takeaway, if you're a leader of a business, whether that's a chief executive or a leader of a, a department or a team, what would be your takeaway that you'd like them to think about? Stop micromanaging people because the day you stop micromanaging people is the day that you'll have more resilience, more um, a more well-rounded workforce. If you micromanage from the top to the bottom, and that's your business, then it's you know it it won't last. John, really good advice to end on there, and I really enjoyed our conversation. Time as ever seems to fly by. Um, congratulations on the success of Social so far, and I'll be looking forward to hearing about many more years of it going forward. Thank you, Anthony, and massive congratulations to you on the podcast and, and your journey as well. Never forget that. It's, uh, 
yeah, delighted to be part of this today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. It only takes a moment, but it makes a massive difference to the visibility of the show and how many people we can reach. You know, our mission is to help people develop the mental fitness so that they can achieve more than they thought themselves capable of. So it'd be great if you could do that. A big thanks to Charlotte Foster Podcast for her hard work on producing the show. You can connect with her on LinkedIn. And the music for show is Where to Run by Strength to Last, created by the musical talents of Adrian Walfer, a Canadian living in Nashville. Check out his music on Spotify and YouTube Music.